0: Welcome to From Duck Till Dark Outside the Marvel Studios. An audio celebration of the films based on Marvel Comics characters released before and during the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough said. Facefront, front true believers this is george soroy and welcome to the latest episode of from duck till dark outside the marvel studios a celebration of all the different films based on marvel comics characters that were released before and during the run of the marvel cinematic universe this is a real fun project that i've taken upon myself, thanks to the National Podcast Post-Month Challenge. For those of you who don't know that, it's simply this. You record, you edit, you post an episode every day for 30 days throughout the month of November. And back in 2019, I went ahead and created the series, and now I decided to give it a redo and and give it a nice polish give it a new intro and outro better production values and see if i can add some additional insight to all these different movies and i found a lot of insight when it comes to tonight's movie which uh, which was supposed to be released in 1990 as a basically an answer to tim burton's batman um DC had really, really come, really uh, exploded with, with Tim Burton's Batman being the, the biggest hit of 1989. And it's obviously, rightfully so, it still holds up to this day. And I still say that the marketing campaign of Batman 1989 is probably the best marketing campaign for any movie that I've ever seen. And... I, I'm proud to say that I have that June 23rd poster hanging up in my office, framed. But the next year, former Canon Films head Menachem Golan broke away from Canon. <clears throat> he and his cousin, Yoram Globus, had a falling out. And Menachem was able to take his little golden parachute called 21st Century Film Corporation. he was t- able to take the rights to a, lot of, to a handful of different projects that he was working on. And one of them was Captain America. It started out over in in Universal, and then it uh, just kind of went from place to place and found its way over to Canon. And there were many different false starts with this one, but if uh, once Manahim broke away and from Yoram and started 21st Century Film Corporation, was able to take Captain America with him. Albert Piun, the writer director, went along with him and was basically getting into uh, Manahim's ear and and. Asked and suggested, let's let's go with Captain America. It's an established, it's an established IP and in, uh, intellectual property, and it's something that that will definitely get some really good brand awareness behind it, and will hopefully bring in a good amount of cash flow to really kind of get the whole studio up and running. And uh, so Pune was working with a uh, script that started out with with Lawrence Block and wound up being worked on, reworked by Stephen Tolkien. And I've heard a lot of really interesting things about Stephen Tolkien's original script. And I'm just throwing it out there as like a bucket list. I think it would be really fun to have Stephen on here to talk about this script because one thing that I noticed that a lot was being said, this isn't just Stephen saying my script was great and they screwed it up. There were other people that were talking about how great that script is. Ronnie Cox, one of the stars who played President Kimball in the movie, said that it was it, it was a terrific script. It was one of his favorite scripts that he read. And it wound up being very different than what was than than what was on the screen. And so I would love to have Stephen Tolkien on here to talk more about this because it seemed like as, as it was going on, it felt like the one of the main, kind of like the weaker points for the film was the dialogue. For me, everything just felt too on the nose. And there was a lot of telling and not showing, but at the same time, they kind of had to because they only had, from what I understand, about $3 million in the in the bank to do this movie. And Albert Pion actually had told stories about how they had to basically gather enough short ends to be able to do a day's worth of shooting. And there were times when they were working with zero dollars in the bank account. So just the fact that they were able to get a movie with a beginning, middle, and end, that's a huge, huge testament to these. There's something about this movie. There really is. Like, uh, And too many people really kind of disregard it as just low-budget trash and no no reason to go back to it and everything especially considering the fact that we already have three fantastic captain america films and obviously you have captain america at the forefront of the avengers but at the same time there is something there's there's a charm about the 1990 captain america which actually got a very very tiny international release and unfortunately did not make its way in the u.s theaters as originally projected they wound up coming out to video cassette in 1992 and that was when I saw it when it was when it was finally out on on video and I remember when I saw it there were some things that I thought were just that didn't work and but that was mainly the effects. I didn't know just how low that budget was I didn't I didn't know just how little they had to work with but I appreciated the fact that no one in that movie was acting like, they were just there for a paycheck. That they were just going to send up whatever they were, they were doing. That they weren't going to take the subject matter seriously. That they weren't going to take the source material seriously. And everyone there was really giving it their all. And whether or not they succeeded, you know, I mean, that's that's up to that's up to the general public to decide. I think everyone involved really did a solid job. And there was a lot there that I really, really liked. I thought that Matt Salinger as Steve Rogers gave a real earnestness to this role. And I wouldn't be shocked if Chris Evans took a little bit of that as inspiration when he gave us his own take on Steve Rogers. Huge credit to Kim Gillingham. This is apparently her first film. And yet, there she is playing two different roles. She's playing three basically if you count the the older version of Steve's original girlfriend Bernie and also playing the role of Sharon her her I don't remember if it's daughter or niece but it's but hey okay, kudos kudos to her for pulling all of that off Ronnie Cox and Ned Beatty you know like who who knew that these guys would be would be there. but uh, Ned Beatty gave g- gave us really solid performance. Ronnie Cox gave like such a real good, earnest, committed performance that you kind of have to take like a step back a little bit just to make sure that this guy's really on on the up and up, considering the fact that uh, that Ronnie Cox, in just a few years prior, had given us the one two punch of Dick Jones and Cohagen from Robocop and Total Recall. Thankfully he was he was one of the good guys here and as he says he's not going to bail out on captain america and li- like lines like that like it's from other people they would probably come off as cheesy but like there was everyone was just committed everyone was really like sell, selling themselves on giving the very best that they can to this perform to their performances and I th- a lot of it worked a lot of it worked there was Now, granted, there are some things that didn't, there and, and it mainly really has to do with the effects. The fact that he just, the fact that Steve is, the way that the rocket that he's strapped to changes course is pretty, it doesn't hold up. It doesn't It doesn't hold up, and neither does him just suddenly like bursting out of the ice and then walking away like nothing happened. There's a good amount of things that do work, and a lot of it, it even if it's, so far out there as like, I can't really suspend disbelief. Like when it comes to the rocket that that Captain America is strapped to is going up while the Red Skull is right there and not burning up. After this huge rocket is passing by, those things they you know they may not have worked on the big screen, but at the same time, it's right there, like out of the comic, like the, all those elements. It just feels like it's right out of the comic, and it's not only just from the comic, but it's from like the 1940s comic. The fact that they that they were smart enough to note and give reference to the Submariner and Human Torch, the original Human Torch before the Fantastic Four, um, that was that was great. That was something I really appreciated because those were the kinds of characters that were around in the 1940s when Captain America was really first coming into his own. So it was... That I I really appreciated, I really enjoyed, and it gave a little hint of a potential shared universe many years before Marvel really went ahead and did that. The main thing was the budget. There was just, just... They could not get the really big set pieces that they really needed. But at the same time, there's a lot there that I have to give them credit for. Just the fact that when it comes to the Captain America movies that we know of nowadays, the Chris Evans trilogy, the main adversary is Hydra, which is a, a subsidiary, you could say, of the Nazi party. But... Here we see like the swastika, we see the Nazi flag when the the plant kills the, the doctor, Dr. Vasari. He says Heil Hitler. He doesn't say Hail Hydra. He goes for it. And there's a there's a real good good charm with this movie. I didn't expect years later to really, you know, like enjoy it the way that I have, but there really is something that's absolutely watchable and really enjoyable about this movie. And I would love the opportunity to see the director's cut that, um, that Albert Pune released back in, I think it was 2011. I don't think he's got it in circulation anymore, but I am, would definitely love the opportunity to take a look at that because the little bits and pieces that I've heard about it just seem to make the movie better, um, richer, There's a scene that I heard about that focuses on Steve meeting up again in the present day with Colonel Lewis, the the Colonel that worked with him and sent him off into, into the fray where he had his confrontation with the Red Skull and where he lost. But Colonel Lewis fills him in about what's happened with the military since World War II. Yeah, they won that war. There was also the Korean War. And there was Vietnam. And then there was the losing of the faith in our leaders, like from Watergate and so much more. It basically kind of forces Steve to kind of confront and ask himself, like, is this whole American dream, is it worth fighting for? Is it still worth fighting for? And it's elements like that that really make it work and I wish it was in the finished film sadly it's just in the in the director's cut but I would really love to see that the movie itself overall I feel like it plays like almost like a primer for the younger viewer who is curious about movies that were done by like say Charles and Albert Band and like the Empire Pictures kind of thing like and wanting to get into that because like there's enough here to appeal to those that have grown up with blockbusters, but there's this grittiness that works for it as well. And while a lot of people seem to enjoy kind of picking on different things like the costume, which to me, it looked like it came right out of the comics. And they also pick on Red Skull not being like an actual Red Skull through much of the movie. He has like the one moment early on, where he kind of looks like he's straight out of Hellraiser. But then afterwards, he is just a very scarred businessman, as he says, who dabbles in science. And that's what we see in the first Avenger with Johann Schmidt. It's only around the halfway point of the movie, that's when he pulls off the fake face and we see the actual red skull underneath. So there are elements there that that carried over into the Marvel Marvel Studios versions of this uh, of this character of this franchise. So, I would definitely say give it a look. I think it's it's better than its reputation says it is. There's a really good there's there's a lot of really good stuff in there. I I didn't even touch on the little underground base which really kind of gave me a little chill when they revisited that so many years later in the present in the present day. And you get to see like all that old equipment and everything It's just like just a really awesome kind of look to it that I just I, I'm a sucker for when it comes to something like that. So everyone involved, Matt Salinger, Kim Gillingham, Scott Paulin is the Red Skull, Ned Beatty, Ronnie Cox. This Stan Lee said, Stanley said to Stephen Tolkien that, you know, it's his script that's gotten everyone involved. So, like I said, I would love to have Stephen Tolkien on the show. I would love to talk to him about this. I would love to read that original script and I would love to see the full director's cut. I think that there's a lot more of this movie than we've been than we've been privy to. And so I would like to see more of it. So, yeah, I would recommend in Captain America. Didn't think I was going to be recommending it as strongly as I as I am. But there's a real good charm to it that just works with this character and works with this this tone that they're that they were trying to that they were trying to tell, so kudos to Albert Pion for 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 doing the best possible job that he could under such dire circumstances that nobody would want to sully themselves with. So kudos to you, Albert, and um, I'm looking forward to your feedback. All of you, if you've enjoyed this movie, if you've enjoyed the previous movies, if you enjoyed the the rest of the movies that we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about a lot over 30 of them. And so, yeah, feel free to take a look at Facebook.com slash dark and drop your thoughts about all these different movies. Your thoughts will be read on the air. And I look forward to hearing from you all. And so until tomorrow, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward and Excelsior. I'll see you tomorrow.